When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. You know, I think you're taking a huge risk just by listening to this podcast today because Tom is in a rare mood, and I'm not exactly sure how to define it. I wouldn't say it was good. I wouldn't necessarily say it was bad. But it is a Tom mood. And uh, so you're taking your listening pleasure into your own hands. You have complete responsibility. The risk, the onus is on you. Welcome to Talking Real Money. I'm Don, and that guy over there is Tom. You right? And part of this stems from your recent illness, and I'm getting texts oh, uh, at night wait. from people saying, is Don okay? I'm like, yeah, he's okay. Get over I it. I had a anyway. cold. I know. I, and people okay. thought it was like, you know, and they're you know checking on funny? who's right behind you, who the vice president is that might slide in to take your spot. Yeah. It makes me nervous. Yeah, I got a call from Al Haig. He said he'd be in charge of you. <laughs> Jumping right in there. I'm uh, responsible. I'm in charge. It is day six, for those of you counting at home. Day six, Don has a cold. It'll probably be gone by tomorrow, day seven. Because it's a cold. I don't know how I got a cold. I went out like one time after COVID came home. There's a guy in the chair behind you. I see there. Maybe he gave it to you. Cold. There's that is an empty chair, dude. See it. I took over the empty chair for you now that you're in the office. Uh, Hi, we're going to talk about risk today, though. Risk is the topic of today's podcast, along with some of your questions that you've sent into TalkingRealMoney.com. So um, without further ado, let's talk about the topic of risk. When you invest, you better know that one of the things you're doing is taking on risk, but you've got to be smart about risk. Yeah, and and here's the thing. I I personally, in in my life and in our clients' lives, I do don't take risk I don't need to take. In other words, I drive at a reasonable amount coming to work. I don't really speed excessively. Uh, With our portfolios, I urge people don't own more stocks than you have to. It's okay to own some bonds in there because you don't need to make more risk money that you may need to, to lose money you don't need. So I found it interesting when Chuck Jaffe wrote a piece last weekend talking about financial risk. And the headline that was, I found disturbing. He, the headline is the financial world is full of risks. Take them. Well, wait, okay. Wait, the, that, hold on that. Take them all. Well, that's a, that's a suggestion I got. Like, uh, Oh, sure. Give me some Dogecoin, dude. (laughs) There's all kinds of, you know, or, or, or giving your money, giving up custody of your money to somebody that's not affiliated with a large custodian. There's all kinds of risks I wouldn't. So I thought we'd just talk about a few of them and then throw in the ones that I think you should pay attention to that he did not. One of them was market risk, which I think you should take at any age. Really, you need everyone should have some exposure to stock markets. Now, 
You can reduce that risk by being widely globally diversified. And I'll talk about a risk that I see oftentimes that uh, around market risk that people don't pay attention to. But then he gets into some other, I think, kind of inflation risk. Well, I don't know there's a whole lot you can do about that other than be invested in uh, securities that have done okay in inflation. We mentioned a few of those last week. Stocks certainly are one of them. Uh, Treasury inflation protected securities are another. You can keep your maturity short in bonds, give you some protection. Interest rate risk. I don't really, again, he, he talks about if you if you put all your money in a CD and then rates go up, then you're making less. No, that that is definitely true. And then he gets into a few other ones, shortfall risk, which is, I, I, try, not, I try and avoid with my checking account if I can. Sequence shortfall of return risk. risk. So that, that's, yeah, well, I, isn't that better than long fall risk? I guess at my age, I, any fall yeah. is dangerous. I mean, no, but um, a short fall, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather fall off a one-story building than a 10. Well, so that's give me true. a short and fall. One of the things I like about our office, we're on the ground floor. So if we have a really bad market and people start jumping, yeah, you're really you not going to get hurt. Yeah. You're not, it's not really going to matter a whole lot. Tie, uh, the, the one sequence of return risk, which you mentioned, which I think is important to consider. But again, I don't know what you do. Okay, what you better explain, explain well, what that is to people. Because well, you retire tomorrow. And yeah. then the market drops 30% the next day, mm-hmm. reducing how much money you have, money that you're going to need to draw from. Well, again, if your plan is built correctly, that shouldn't be a huge impact because if you're retiring tomorrow, you should have substantial assets in fixed income, which is the base that you could draw on for a long time before you needed the part of the portfolio that dropped, which we know has always recovered. No guarantee that it always will. Liquidity risk, I think that's a serious one. But the way he puts it, I disagree with. He talks about the fact that uh, it affects everything from junk bonds to foreign stocks to cryptocurrencies. Now, as you pointed out, Don, in our sort of pre-show discussion, you can always get your money back from this stuff. Foreign stocks, if you own mutual funds, you can get your money back. It might not be at the price you like. Yeah, even even our argument that your house is illiquid, and it and it is, it takes because it takes a while to sell it. But a lot of people in bad real estate markets complain that there are no buyers for their house, that I can't sell my house. When the reality is, you can pretty much sell anything if it's at the right price. Yeah, and I have a relative who's buying a home that has decided to pay 20% over the asking price to eliminate anyone else from getting into bidding war. 20% over. That, over. That. That is another show entirely oh. on, and I think we've done one of those on the yeah. stupidity yeah. that is this real estate market. This is crazed. Yeah, that really. I got to sell soon. Okay. What yeah. else you got? All right. So, well, let me let's some talk about some of the, yeah, some other risks that I think you really should pay attention to that people oftentimes do not. Number one, I see it all the time and you probably suffer from this risk and don't realize it. Concentration risk. Oh, I do that all the time. When I'm concentrating so hard, I like get a headache. It's like I'm concentrating and there's such right. risk. No, that's not the kind of risk you're talking you about. You can be the funny guy today. Not don't <laughs> no, say no, every no, day. no, not today. Please. Not just today. <laughs> not ju- I knew you're going to go there. Take a concentration <laughs> risk is when you you don't you're not diversified and most of you frankly, I hate to tell you are not because you own the S&P 500. Remember that about 85% of the stock investments today are in the S&P 500, those who are investors in the United States. And of that money, 
about a quarter of your money is in five or six stocks. That is concentration risk. The same situation we faced, and I know many of you don't remember, 20 years ago, right, when the S&P 500 that was led by technology went big down for 10 years. So concentration risk is a serious risk. And by the way, those of you who own individual stocks and think these are the greatest companies of all time, (laughs) <laughs> you face not only concentration risk, you face default risk. And, and but, but let's go back to the concentration risk for a minute. A lot of those folks who have a lot of their money, and this is usually what, for someone who's in a higher position, works for a corporation whose stock has done well in the past, and they are so focused, their life is so focused on this corporation that not only are their, their financial assets focused on that one corporation, but their their every all of their assets, their ongoing support, their emotional and and uh, intellectual assets, every asset of theirs practically is focused on that one company, and that makes the risks. Ask anyone who worked for Enron, particularly huge. We prefer to talk about Washington Mutual here. So concentration <clears throat> risk, default risk, and then the other one that I I still see people making mistakes with, and that is custody risk. As you know, we advise you if you're going to invest to have your money held in a large third-party custodian. We use Charles Schwab. Charles Schwab spends millions of dollars a year making sure that the they have security, that people aren't going to break in. But beyond that, unless Charlie himself wakes up and decides to steal your money, it's almost impossible for your advisor at Charles Schwab to steal from you. Now, if you give the money to an individual, I still see people doing this, and they take custody of the money, and they decide that they'd rather buy a yacht in the south of France than invest your money in XYZ, well, then you could lose the money. So I do see people making mistakes with custody. So in my mind, the risks you should accept, volatility. You should know how much, right? And that's why we have the risk quiz. You can go there and take it. It's free. gives you an idea of how much of your money should be in stocks, how much in bonds. Volatility risk is something you need to learn to accept to make money. It's a trade-off. Number two, I would reject concentration risk every day. I think you should be truly diversified. Portfolios we believe in have about 13,000 companies in them. You can go to Vanguard and own their two-fund portfolio that we recommended our website, and that has 11,000 stocks. I was surprised it had 11,000 stocks in it. And then the other one is I would never, ever, ever own individual equities because the risk of default, by the way, it's not just default, the risk of, the only reason to ever own an individual stock is to make more than the market. There's all kinds of periods of time where companies go into lulls, see Microsoft for about a 10-year period, where they make nothing or they go down. That is a long time to have your portfolio underwater. So for those reasons, I would never own individuals, individual securities. And it's also illegal to own any individuals. You just can't. <laughs> Thank goodness you can for that. rent them. I am all in them. favor of no owning of individuals. You either. can rent them. <laughs> just look true. around the office. You've rented several. Sometimes um, we see them. Sometimes we don't. Yeah. yeah, and 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 that's the thing, though. The risk risk is, by the way, the price you pay for the returns you get. This is the very, very, very simple truth about risk. If you want a return on your investments, you must take risk, but we want you to take the right kinds of risk for the right reasons with the proper 
level of understanding, and the right plan. So if you do all these things, then the risk won't feel as scary. The uncertainty of risk is what really frightens us. And once you become more certain about what risk will do, and you understand what it will do to you at some point in the future, you're better able to handle it. So do it right. Risk right. Ooh, I think I just got a new slogan. Risk right. Right risk. Right risk. We got a couple questions. Do you want them? Absolutely. Hit me. We got a ton. I mean, really a ton. And how do people uh, send in questions? They go to they go talkingrealmoney.com. Talking Hit okay. the contact form. Yeah, you All can right. either record them or you can type them. And and the vast majority prefer, for some reason, we have become a typing culture. We don't like to talk. People don't like to pick up the phone and call each other anymore. No, <sighs> no, no, no. It's it's good. Hold on. Let me. I, I know I could just say it to you right now, but give me a second. I'm going to just text it to you. There we go. Oh, look, I made a couple of spelling errors. So anyway, and I, oh, there are a couple of spelling errors in these. <laughs> Sorry. But here's the first one is about living yeah. trusts and other things. I recently started listening to your podcast when I can. I've learned a lot, which is creating more questions in my brain. LOL. Love your show. We are paying off our home this month. We have a piece of property at Ocean Shores and a place in Arizona. At 55 plus, I actually have two questions. One, should we save for a few months and wait until the housing market is more realistic before we build a home in Ocean Shores, which is where we want to retire in about seven years? We both contribute to our 401k. I want to be smart about where to allocate the $1,400 a month mortgage payment we have been making for 17 years. She's paying it off and she'll have the cash instead. Right. Got Got it. it. Yeah. Okay, I'll let you answer that one first. Well, okay, first Go of ahead. all, any uh, I we have no idea what the price of lumber is going to be a year from now. No one a year ago said it was going to be doubling in the last year, which may have something to do with my increased homeowner's insurance costs because the cost of replacement went up. Um, by the way, the cost of replacement went up 5%, but the policy increased 26%. Go you don't know that, that they didn't out. mess up. You got you anyway, wait for uh, So, but, but the point but is, wait, wait, but wait, mate. Here's an idea: lumber. If yeah. it's just lumber, if it's lumber, they got a piece of land. Yeah, seven years there before they build. It's the Pacific Northwest. There's trees. Plant trees all over it. <laughs> you got to hope for some fast growth timber there. You know what? Right now, because things are very unsettled in in that sort of pricing and uh, the real estate market is so incredibly insane. I might wait a year on lumber just to, because you have seven years and it's gone up so fast, but there isn't a crystal ball around any of that period there. It, it may double again in the next year. I don't know. I just read in the journal yesterday that, that no major firms are building new mills because they don't, they want to get in the bill. It takes many years to build them, blah, blah, blah. They don't want to get in that business. They'll keep producing the timber or the, the lumber. Yeah, let the Canadians do it. Let them exactly. risk their they'll, money. They can't get across the border still, but let them do it. Well, so, and that's part of the problem, though. A lot of what is going on right now is not related to the realities of the marketplace, but more associated with the conditions at the time. We've gone through this COVID thing, which messed up the supply chain. It's why Chick-fil-A is out of sauce. It's a supply Wait, chain issue. Chick-fil-A, what are you oh, doing? Gosh, are you, you didn't okay? read about this? 
No, but, I did not. Some folks on uh, some 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 very far right Republicans are blaming Biden for the Chick Fil A sauce shortage. I'm serious. It's when, a supply did, chain cut issue. Off there the was supply a ketchup. Of mayonnaise I don't and know. Ketchup or something. <laughs> there, I, never. I'm not going there. But uh, what I'm saying is that these kinds of events often happen in okay, crises so that occur. Then for what other is reasons. your advice? I just sit around. I went seven years. You know, when things are insane, when things are truly crazy, like they are right now, it's kind of better to take a deep breath and not, like this relative of yours, go rushing out and paying 20% over list price for a house. I wouldn't pay 20% over list price for anything. Sorry. No. List price is list price because the people, that's what they want. I know. I. So, no, I would would wait on the the pricing. Okay. Here's the second one. Just to see. Yeah, go ahead. Second question. Yes. Is, let's see. We do not have a will. I know we should. And I've been thinking about a living trust, but not sure the be- of the benefits or where to go to get the best info. Back to you. You know, so the trust is going to help you around estate taxes. And remembering the great state of Washington, where it sounds like you reside, although you may have a residence in Arizona. Anything above $2 million, you're going to pay a state tax on. So it might make sense to use a trust to sort of avoid paying some of that. You know, I think for anyone in that situation, it's worth an hour or two with a local estate planner just to say, here's my situation. Is it worth getting a trust? Yes, I know they're in the business of selling trusts, but hopefully you get a a, a reasonably independent look at all this and then make a decision. And we have one more question before we call this a podcast. Uh, this one, subject, I have $152,000 in the bank earning minimal interest. Where to put it? I love this interest question. Interest rate risk. Interest rate I risk. I love this question. I By the inherit- way, you're not alone. Yeah, go ahead. I inherited funds that are now earning minimal interest. They were in stock, but during the last crisis... I had the broker sell them. Now, that was a mistake on my part. However, I have lost funds before with a different broker, and I was just not willing to go through that. Needless to say, I had approximately $200,000 in stocks and now have $152,000 in cash. That was a, those were a bad stocks. I want to more effectively use the money. I'm 75 years old. Don't want volatility. I listened to Talking Real Money and learned that you will review my holdings. Oh, they want us to review them too. I'll send this to you, but let's answer the question. The answer is, uh, God bless if if I'm running a major bank, which you're having their all-time, all-time profits, this all-time profits ever because You have so many friends and neighbors that have $18 trillion in banks that are paying you nothing. And of course, they're taking the money and investing it. You know, I mean, if you're 75 and you don't want to take any risk, Mm, then I start to think maybe you're in the right place. I mean, because it's like, well, well, but there's a better way to do it, though. If you want literally zero risk, you want the full faith and credit backing of the U.S. government or FDIC, which really is the same thing then this is where, and we don't talk about them very often, but there are people for whom, you mentioned it earlier in your risk segment, you put your money all in five-year CDs, and if rates go up, you're like, ah, I'm locked in for five years at low rates. 
That's the beauty of the CD ladder, which is a brilliant way of doing this. And you can do it through a discount broker like a Charles Schwab or a Fidelity. They'll do it at no cost because the banks are paying them a little bit to do this for them. And what you do is you set up a ladder. You have a one-year CD, a two-year CD, a three-year CD, a four-year CD, and a five-year CD. And what is the five-year CD paying today? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I'll bet it's nothing. less than 2%. No, but what the reason is, if rates go down... Yeah, I got and it. Don't say they can't go down. They can't go I've down. been hearing that for 10 years. They can't can't go go down down anymore, and they have, if they go down, because they can Uh, go to negative. At least you have a positive return on a portion of your portfolio. If rates go up, which everybody's saying they're going to do, then you have 20% of your portfolio that comes due in a year and can go back into the ladder, earning the higher interest. But the key to a ladder, like everything else, is absolute discipline. You cannot break the ladder on a hunch. Ah, I think rates are going to go even higher, so I'm just going to wait. No, you can't do that. It has to be disciplined. Yeah, and and just to finish that thought, because this is something apparently you already asked for, you should have a review of your overall situation. For us just to tell you, here, go do this with 150, we don't know because we don't know what what else you hold. So I would simply have the full review. You may be a great candidate for what Don just said, and, and what is a high yield savings account paying today? I don't know, one and a half or something. I mean, so there's other places. Are you they go, are they that high? I, 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 you know, now for some reason I thought they were a little higher than one, but maybe not. So safety sounds imperative to you. Lack of volatility sounds like something you're after. So I would probably opt for that. All right, now you got me curious. So I'm going As to, to look how up how much. Yeah, how much high yield. Bank accounts are savings accounts rate, savings account rates. All right, let's go down here. Where are the rates, please? Just go ahead and give them to me. Man, it's getting harder and harder to find the rates on bank rate. They want to they want you to read a whole bunch of stuff, and I just want the darn rates. Used to be you went to one page and they're all right there. Oh yeah, no, that's not the case anymore. Okay, ah, there we go. Figure um, this out. Best savings account rates, 0.57. Is that the high yield or is that just their best savings? High yield, 0.57. That's pretty sad. Not very much money to tie up your money, yeah. So So I would, um, man, look at that, 0.4, 0.4, Yeah. I I, The risk less. See, here's the problem. You want risk less, but you want high yields. You cannot have both. I want to make and, a lot of money. No risk. And and whatever broker you have, stop dealing with that broker. That broker had no clue what you wanted, did they? No clue. Not a clue. Because you wanted safety and they had you in stocks and you lost almost 25% of your money. That is a bad, bad broker. And I'm sure you're, you're saying, but he's so nice. So nice. Be nice and be a bad, bad broker. Bad, bad broker. Thanks for being a part of the podcast. We appreciate it. We're glad you're there. Thanks for listening or viewing this, whichever way you do it. And please check with us uh, pretty much every day. We do a podcast almost every day, uh, with the exception of Sundays and Saturdays when I'm under the weather or on vacation. Otherwise, we do it a lot. 
feeling better. And uh, we'll have another one for you tomorrow. So check that out. Thanks for being there. That's Tom Cock. I'm Don McDonald. We're talking real money. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.